Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghu Balan. It's Thursday. Seven years ago, Kevin McCarthy wanted to be Speaker of the House, and seven years later, the same obstacles still remain. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. John Boehner suddenly retired in 2015, members of the House Freedom Caucus showed up at Speaker-in-Waiting Kevin McCarthy's office with a list of demands. In exchange for their support, they wanted McCarthy to name one of their own to a senior leadership position and embrace rules changes that empowered conservatives. If he refused, they told him, they would band together to block him from securing the needed 218 votes to be Speaker. But McCarthy was unwilling to subjugate his power in order to appease a splinter faction, and ultimately, the California Republican dropped his bid for his dream job, paving the way for Paul Ryan's rise. Since then, McCarthy has maneuvered to ensure he never finds himself in a similar predicament. He's befriended many of the conservatives he once scorned, made an ally out of his previous arch-rival, Freedom Caucus founder Jim Jordan, and became a close confidant of Donald Trump. Yet, seven years later, McCarthy once again finds his dream job held hostage by the same group of hardliners. Thanks to the GOP's lackluster midterm performance, he's seeking to preside over what appears likely to be an extremely thin majority, a scenario that hands massive leverage to the far right. It feels like deja vu for those of us who covered the House GOP majority during those years. The demands, focused on rules changes meant to amplify the HFC's power, are different this time. But they're once again willing to play hardball to get what they want. HFC Chair Scott Perry and two senior group members told Playbook last night they had laid out their demands to McCarthy before the election, but that he has so far refused to accept them. If he continues to hold out, they said, a candidate could emerge to challenge him in next week's House Republican leadership elections. That person would not be a serious rival for the Speaker's gavel, but rather, as group member Bob Good told us, a show of force to demonstrate that he doesn't have the 218 votes. Good said, we know there are a number of members who feel as we do, that Kevin McCarthy has not earned the right to lead, has not earned our vote. In the meantime, the group is asking for next week's leadership elections to be delayed. Perry said, The rules of the game should be known before we select a captain. We don't know what the majority is or who is in the majority. It seems appropriate that we have a family conversation prior to voting. Some of the group's demands concern changes to the committee selection process and how legislation gets brought up for a vote. But by far, the biggest sticking point is restoring the motion to vacate, the House rule that was recently ditched by Democrats that allows a single member to force a vote on the speakership at any given time. It's what sent Boehner packing back in 2015 and something conservatives would undoubtedly use to pressure McCarthy against cutting bipartisan deals. You know, governing. While McCarthy is expected to acquiesce to some HFC demands, those close to him say restoring motion to vacate would be painful and potentially crippling. Politico colleagues Olivia Beavers and Jordan Carney have more this morning on McCarthy's pushback, arguing to the HFC that handing them the motion to vacate would allow Democrats to wreak havoc in the chamber. You can catch the rest of that report in today's playbook. Check it out at politico.com slash playbook. On Tuesday night at the election watch party for Nevada Democrats on the Vegas Strip, aides to Senator Catherine Cortez Masto were cautiously optimistic about her prospects for victory. The campaign's main concern was whether their Republican opponent, Adam Laxalt, would prematurely declare victory and throw the post-election vote counting period into chaos. As Laxalt's strong rural vote came in, he overtook Cortez Masto in the count, and Democrats' concerns increased. But so far, 
their fears have been misplaced. In 2022, this counts as a positive development for American elections. Candidates are largely refraining from using the seesaw nature of vote counting to sow doubts about the results, as Trump infamously did back in 2020. What hasn't changed since 2020 is that Nevada and Arizona and California and many other states take days to finish counting. While still training Laxalt, Cortez Masto's chances of victory improved Wednesday, with the majority of the outstanding vote consisting of mail ballots from Nevada's urban centers, which are typically Democratic strongholds. According to the latest numbers from John Ralston and Sean Galanka of the Nevada Independent, there are about 110 mail ballots left to be counted from the two big urban counties, Clark, which contains Las Vegas, and Washoe, where Reno's located. Even if Cortez Masto and Laxalt split those ballots well below her current rate of 65% to 30%, Ralston notes, she'll overtake Laxalt. There are also some outstanding rural ballots that'll help Laxalt, and there are things like provisional ballots and cured ballots that all have to be tabulated by Saturday. But according to the data nerds here at Politico, based on the known universe of outstanding ballots, Cortez Masto has a path to victory. And with Senator Mark Kelly leading Blake Masters in Arizona by five points, with 76% of the vote in, the Democrats could keep the Senate even without winning the December 6th Georgia runoff. And given what's happening in the Southwest, the Georgia results may not determine whether Democrats or Republicans control the Senate, but whether Democrats or Senator Joe Manchin control the Senate. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 3 p.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris will deliver remarks at a political event at Howard Theater, with First Lady Jill Biden and Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff also in attendance. At 4 p.m., the Bidens will return to the White House, and at 9.25, the President will depart the White House to head to Egypt. Press Secretary Queen Jean-Pierre and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan will brief at 12.45. The House and the Senate are out today. All right. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Monavalan. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning.